Notes for Harrison Bergeron, Tuesday, October 8th. The setting is 2081. Everyone is finally equal. Equal in every way. No one stronger, smarter, better looking than anyone else. This was due to the 211th, 212th, and 213th Amendments to the Constitution. The country was under the jurisdiction of the U.S. Handicapper General. Our characters, George and Hazel Bergeron, they're Harrison's parents, Harrison Bergeron, the 14-year-old son of George and Hazel, and Diana Moonglampers, the U.S. Handicapper General. The H.G. men came to take George and Hazel Bergeron's 14-year-old son away from them. While this event was tragic, George and Hazel couldn't think about it much. Hazel had average intelligence and could only think about things in short bursts. George had above-average intelligence and was handicapped by an earpiece that sent a piercing sound every 20 seconds. This sound kept him from taking unfair advantage of his brain. George and Hazel were watching television. Hazel had tears on her cheeks, but she forgot why. There were ballerinas on the TV screen, and a buzzer sounded in George's ear. His thoughts fled like bandits from a burglar alarm. Hazel mentioned what a nice dance the ballerinas performed, George just replied, yep, unable to process anything mentally. The ballerinas weren't better than anyone else. They were burdened with sash weights and bags of birdshot. Why? What would adding weights do to these ballerinas? They were wearing masks to keep viewers from seeing them and noticing whether or not they were attractive. George was wondering whether or not ballerinas should be handicapped. He couldn't think much about it because he was interrupted by another noise in his ear. George winced, so did two of the ballerinas. What does it mean that they all winced at the same time? And Hazel saw him wince. Having no mental handicap herself, she asked what the latest sound was. He said it sounded like someone hitting a milk bottle with a ball-peen hammer. Hazel says it might be interesting to hear the sounds. What does this tell us about Hazel? Hazel also mentions that if she was at the Handicapper General, she could have wind chimes on Sunday. George says he could think if it were just chimes. But Hazel says, well, they would be real loud, though. George says she would be as good a Handicapper General as anyone else. Who knows better than Hazel what normal is? George began to think about his son Harrison, now in jail, but a 21-gun salute in his head stopped that. George was white and trembling, and two ballerinas had just collapsed to the floor, holding their temples. Why? What does this mean? Hazel notices that George looks tired and tells him he can put his feet up and rest his handicap bag on the pillows. She says she doesn't mind if he's equal to her for a while. The handicap bag is 47 pounds of birdshot he wears around his neck. George says he doesn't notice the bag anymore. It's a part of him. Has he settled for this existence? What could happen when we settle for something? George mentions the penalty for every ball he removes. Two years in prison and $2,000. She tries to tell him that after work he could remove a few as he is not competing with anyone at home. George says if he tried to get away with it, others would also, and we'd be right back to the days of everyone competing against one another. What is the author Kurt Vonnegut satirizing here? George hears a siren in his head and forgets what he was talking about. The television program they were watching was interrupted for a news bulletin. The announcers on television all had speech impediments 
The announcer couldn't read the bulletin. He gave it to a ballerina. The ballerina must have been very beautiful as her mask was hideous. She must also have been graceful as she wore the bags that a 200-pound man would wear. She even altered her voice as it was so nice and warm. Unfair, said the author. The bulletin says that Harrison has escaped from jail. There's a police photo of Harrison flashes on the screen, upside down, sideways, upside down, then right side up. Harrison was seven feet tall. Nobody had ever borne heavier handicaps than Harrison. He had giant headphones, glasses with thick wavy lenses, and 300 pounds of scrap metal all over him. He had a red rubber ball for a nose, his eyebrows were shaved off, and his teeth were randomly capped in snaggletooth fashion. Screams and the sound of a door being torn from its hinges were heard. Harrison's picture flashed on the screen again and again. George realized that it was Harrison, his son, that he had just seen on television. Then he heard a car crash in his head, erasing any thought of the event. George opened his eyes again and the picture was gone, but a living, breathing Harrison filled the screen. Harrison stood in the center of the studio with the doorknob from the door he ripped off the hinges in his hand. Everyone cowered on their knees, expecting to die. Harrison shouts, I am the emperor. Everyone do as I say at once. He says even in his handicapped state, he could be a better ruler than there has ever been. Harrison began removing his handicaps, which were made to support 5,000 pounds, as much as a vehicle or two. He flung the headphones and the glasses. He flung the rubber nose, revealing how great looking he was. He then says, whoever dares rise to her feet will be his empress. A ballerina stood up after a moment. Harrison ripped off her handicaps and her mask, revealing how beautiful she was. Harrison ordered music, and as the musicians scrambled back to their chairs, he stripped them of their handicaps. The music was nothing special. Then Harrison manhandled two of the musicians and the music got better. They began to dance, <clears throat> defying the laws of gravity and motion. It was obvious they were trying to kiss the ceiling. Then they kissed each other for a long, long time. Diana Moonglampers, a handicapper general, entered the studio and fired two shots. The emperor and empress were dead before they hit the floor. She aimed the gun at the musicians. They had 10 seconds to put their handicaps back on. It was then that the Bergeron's television tube burned out. Hazel mentioned something to George, but he had gone into the kitchen for a beer. George came back into the living room and after pausing while another handicap signal shook him up, noticed Hazel had been crying. She couldn't remember why she had been crying. Something sad on television, she said. George told her to forget sad things. George winced at the sound of a riveting shotgun. Hazel said, that was a doozy. George said, you can say that again. And Hazel repeated, that was a doozy. What's the author telling us about his view of society by the way he ends the story with Hazel repeating her words in response to George's rhetorical statement? Why was Harrison such a threat to society? What would have happened if Harrison would have been able to become emperor? What do you think the author is trying to say about societies who are oppressed? Could a government like this ever happen in our society today? What would it take for us to fall to this level? Should everyone be equal or should we have people who are better than others?